DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Guy Holiday, the former University of Utah receivers coach. Before that, BYU receivers coach. A lot of you have uh, rooted for him and his players and his teams over the years. Guy, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's going okay for us. I guess we're curious about how it's going for you. Job changes are always hard, and you are suddenly going through one, at least suddenly to us. Maybe you saw it coming. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sudden. and uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not disappointed because that, I, you know me, I speak my mind. Um, you know, it's a situation where it's, it's been just a, a hard year as far as everybody thinks about COVID. But I go all the way back to having a, a receiver arrested and, and those things. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they uh, get into the game for – you know, winning championships and all those things are important. But for me, it's about people. So when you when you go through that, you're going through it. Um, at least me, I can't throw away a a person, a young person. I, I just can't do it. And um, you know, if if things come out for that person or any other person, and you know, you feel for for the victims of um, who experienced it, and, and you know, but you have to believe in in that person and then you take that and you go through COVID and then uh for me that was that was a it was a challenge I um I had uh, a couple positive tests here and there um but it really didn't come out to be anything uh but it drained me so I I was drained I was tired and went through another player who um you know decided to leave and come back and under uh, certain circumstances, and then obviously the two players that left. That was one was really crushing to me uh, as a person because I've known the family for for so long, and uh, so it was. Um, you know, when him, when uh, coach and I sat down, it was I understood it. I believe me, I understood it because you know, in this this game, the ultimate deal is to to win. Well. You know, I had a chance to go to the NFL last year to two different teams. And, you know, I, I'm not a – I don't like the business side of this as far as when you deal with young people. And uh, and I think we're in a, a, um, a very interesting and tragic time as far as uh, college sports. You know, the open transfer policy and, you know, and uh, things like that. So now you have so many people involved with uh college athletes uh the people on the outside and and at at the end of the day you know what um what it all comes down to whether we like it or not we want kids that want to win championships but we recruit kids that want to get to the nfl so um you know based on that your production is everything and um you know these guys want to essentially be more productive and and i understand that and you know, um, both of them are going to have degrees, and that's my job, to get them here, get a degree, and uh, and do the best I can for them. And I think I did that. But I, I want to clear the air as far as I've always said I speak for myself. I mean, the University of Utah, um, they've been good to me. Okay, so me leaving there and everybody, you know, needs to know that they're taking care of me. This is not – that hey they kick no they're doing some uh, doing some things right by me which I appreciate I appreciate Mark Harlan and um, I, I appreciate the opportunity that that uh, Whit gave me 
and uh, we had a great relationship. We still do. You know, it's just um, you got to make tough decisions and, and do tough things. And some people say, well, oh, it was his coaching or this. And anybody that knows me, measure me by my players. Don't measure me by what you think. And uh, I got enough texts. And this bar makes me emotional because I got enough texts, enough phone calls from former players and current players uh, that told me I did the right thing. I did it right. And that's all that matters. What every fan thinks, no, I don't, I don't do this for fans. I don't do this for fanfare. Uh, I love my players. And at the end of the day, Anybody that knows me knows that's the most important thing. And that's how I weigh it out. And so I did my job. And, um, man, I wanted to win a championship at Utah. Uh, you know, won't get that opportunity, but we there may be some things on the horizon uh, at the university possibly. There are some other things that I'm looking at outside of the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, most people think that in today's college football, you have to be a certain age or take, have a certain amount of energy or, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it's about people. It's about people. And uh, I did the right thing by people. You know, the other thing that I'll add, I know, you know, this came about because of, uh, um, I guess, a tweet my son put out. And one, one thing I want everybody here to understand I've been doing this uh, for 27 years. I've been in this game since I was seven. Uh, so if you do the math, that's a long freaking time. <laughs> that's that's a half a century. So you raise your kids in this environment, and uh, you know they see how hard you work at it. They see what you do. They know what you feel. And um, you know, I I um, I don't say my son is, uh, I don't banish him for what he did. He has a right to speak an opinion. We're in a, in a society right now where things are very separated and, uh, we fail to realize it. We, we just ignore it. And, um, you know, my one son, I had, uh, uh, two go to school here in Utah and one experience being stopped by the police on two, three different occasions and being handcuffed just because he was black. You know, not that he was doing anything wrong, but just a routine stop. And, you know, that, that takes its toll on a young person. And, and we fail to realize it because we don't experience it. Um, you know, he has since removed because I told him to remove it. He's still my son. Uh, and uh, But I, I want everybody to know I have the utmost respect uh, for the outgoing President Watkins. We had a lot of deep talks. I have the utmost respect for Mark Harlan, uh, for Witt. The University of Utah, period. I, I don't hold grudges. You know, that's not me. Um, you know, I'm going to, if I thought that I was leaving, people always ask. I just closed on another house here uh, January about 27th, so I had no idea. Um, and this is, um, you know, this is just the way things worked out, and it's not – no one, I'm not going to be bitter. It's not about that. Um, it's more about me uh, knowing that I did the right thing by players. And that's more important to me than winning a football game. And in this day and time in athletics, that's not what's important. 
to to some people, uh, you know, to the fans. It's about winning championships. Well, these kids have lives. And so that's why I stayed at, at Utah. I've had, you know, two different opportunities to leave. I'm a very loyal person. I could have went back east to a school uh, where I grew up. And um, and obviously I just mentioned the, the two opportunities last, last year. But it's, it's not about that for me. So what I want people to understand is don't hold it against a person because of their experiences, you know, and, and I'm, I'm speaking um, in reference to my family because that's my family, you know, and they're going to defend me regardless. And I wouldn't expect anything different because I'm going to defend them. And uh, that's how we do things as a family, and that's why it's called family. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are emotional, particularly in certain instances when it comes to family. I think, Coach, quite frankly for me, I don't know that I'm in the position to evaluate you as a receiver's coach. I don't really have any expertise on that. But doing a, going back to our time at BYU and then at Utah, if I evaluate you as a man, I give you the highest grade possible because I think that much of you and you've proven that as far as that goes and you've just done with this uh, answer that you've just given. You've, again, exemplified who you are, and that's, that's the most important, as you say, and I agree with that 100%. As far as football was it simply a lack of production from the receivers, or did you get a specific reason why they needed to make a change? No, and I, I don't think um, I don't think that's that's it. Like I told you, I, I go back to more of the things that uh, took a lot out of me. I mean, uh, which adds up, which in the end will 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 add up. I mean, uh, when I look at the guys that left, uh, in particular, I mean, health played such a huge part. In them, and um, you know, we we can all sit around and debate how much production was there. I mean, and I can go back to having been with players that had great production, whether it's a Darren Carrington, a Tim Patrick. I think uh, you know we had guys two years ago catch thirty six, and and you know all that. So you have to operate within the offense, and 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 at the end of the day, you know it's it's still about winning. You know, the game is still about winning. But what we have developed in our society is a me attitude. And the most me position on the field, whether we like it or not, is the receiver. And uh, you see it in the NFL. You see it uh, now in college. I mean, I know of an instance where a high school player who was committed to a top power five school walked into his high school coach's office and said, I need a ball more. I'm transferring. You know, this is, this is what we are developing. And we're doing it because we um, we live in we live in a uh, a world a society in the United States where we reward athleticism and ignore character. And so these kids aren't being rewarded for the men that they are; they're being rewarded because of the athlete that they are. And there's a uh, there's a major issue. Uh, so for me, uh, and again. The most important part for me is the player, uh, the person. And then the player will thrive because of the person that he is. Um, I think we had some guys make some questionable decisions. And, uh, sure, that leads up to it because that's called, you know, you're responsible for your players both on and off the field. A lot of people don't understand that. They may say, well, that's not right. Well, that's what you signed up for. And at the University of Utah, it's – 
uh, it is a key component because of the the uh, the world we bring these kids into. You you have to realize, uh, and people, I don't want anybody from Salt Lake City or, or Utah or Utah County or anywhere else to be insulted by this, but this the state in which we live in is very unique. It is. Um, obviously heavily influenced by the LDS church. Um, the government interaction with the church is evident, and um, which is fine because it creates a great atmosphere of family and those things, but you're bringing young people in. Um, that's, not, that's not their lifestyle. That's not how they lived. And then you want them to conform to uh, a very idealistic lifestyle that uh, many of them just can't uphold and uh, are criticized for it because they're just normal people. I mean, the things that I look at in this city, and I, I love Salt Lake City. It's been one of the best places I live. In my opinion, it is a city of extremes. The uh, homelessness, the drug abuse is extreme. And on the other side, uh, the religious aspect of it and the righteousness can be extreme. And uh, so I think there's a middle ground there. I've always believed that. I respect any person, regardless of their race or, or religion. That's important to me. Uh, I worked at BYU. We all know that. And I didn't have a, a problem uh, speaking my point of view on what I thought was wrong and right, but yet adhering to um, the policy. And But I'm a grown as my other son would say, I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> you know, I, I can I can handle it. But you're bringing in young people who don't really understand the dynamics of it. And then when you intermingle young men with women who've been raised in that culture and not really understanding how that works, um, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. And uh, But, you know, if anybody wants me to bash the universe, I, and you get an opportunity. That's all you ask for. And uh, if there's another opportunity out there for me in coaching and, and uh, it happens for me, I'll be fortunate to have that opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm not – I don't want anybody to think. The only thing that matters to me at the end of the day that I do right by my players. Uh, if people want to judge my coaching record and what I've done, look at the statistics. Look at the statistics of the players I've coached. Look at, look at you know, and um, what I did uh, – in, in, in Provo, I think that speaks for itself. And what I did coming into University of Utah, I think, I think it speaks for itself everywhere I've been. I stand by my record, you know. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that at some point you may have stayed somewhere too long because that's the business. That's the nature of our business, um, you know. And it just all at, at the end of the day, what all this means is we want to win a championship. And at this point, I think you've gotten us as far as we can go. We need to make a change. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and honestly, with where I was health-wise, it, it, it wasn't a fight for me. Um, and recovering, uh, you know, mentally and those things, it wasn't, wasn't something I wanted to sit there and argue and, and present facts. It was, you know, uh, it's what... Uh, coach at that time that when he made decisions felt that was right it's his program and he has that right 
And I respect him for that because he also had the right to hire me, and he did that. And that was his his decision at that time. So it's um, – man, I, I love the university. I love the state of Utah. Uh, I've worked at the two major universities, and I've had positive experiences at both. This question is uh, is really hard to answer, and, and I don't know that you can, but I think um, anyone who's been through this situation really wonders how it's going to impact the team. And when I was in college, uh, one of my really good friends from high school died between, it was a one-car car wreck, and he died in the summer between um, the freshman and sophomore years of school. And we were going to different schools, and that changed the relationship. But what happened with Ty Jordan was just so awful, so devastating. Some of the stuff we've seen on social media, you know, clearly the players are taking it really hard, as you would expect they would. And I'm curious because when you talk about the relationship you have with players, um, you know, w- what kind of impact is this going having going forward? How is the coaching staff, which you've gotten to know really well, how have they been dealing with it? How can they deal with it going forward? Because people don't talk about it a lot. But, you know, talking to some Ute fans, even though they never individually met Ty, it had an impact on them, too. And I'm just wondering how you see – you've clearly been talking about that side of the business, the relationship side of the business. I'm just wondering how you see this working going forward because um, it continues to be an enormous story and a tragic story here going forward. Well, here, here's the reality of life. And um, most people – most people won't want to hear it. Um, you know, I was involved in, in Ty's recruitment, certainly he's from Dallas. I was in his home, um, and it hit me hard. I could only go to the viewing, and I left and went went back to Houston with my family. Um, at that time, uh, I couldn't even attend the services. But this is what I know. And you can either use things in two different ways. or I mean, it's really three. You can either ignore it, you can let it hurt you or bring you down, or you can let it motivate you. And I think the hardest thing that people don't realize is um, you will always have brief moments where things affect you. But overall, day to day, most people, it, it turns into the longer it goes, out of sight, out of mind. And there will be things that come up that remind you of it, that make you want to reflect on it. Um, but you'll you'll push forward. I lost my mother as a freshman in college, and I found a way to use it, uh, or sophomore in college, to use it as motivation um, versus um, letting it hold me back to the point to the school that I was at. Um, at the end of going into my senior year, I... Um, you know, went to find out how many credits that I have to graduate, and they told me what, it, and I knew how many credits I had, but not very many of them, unfortunately, went to graduation. I left there. Uh, after that, that season, I went and I finished my degree at Cheney University of Pennsylvania, and um, I'll always recognize that place because, in my opinion, um, the school I was at let me down, and that had a lot to do with my uh relationships and and what I believe relationships would be. So, you know, I I don't think it will affect the team as much as most people think. I think you, you go about your pro, you go about the process, you go about getting things done. And that, 
and that you fully understand is just a part of the business and um, of life in general. And I mean, we live what what we can appreciate, what we don't get is what our young people go home to when they leave here. We ignore that. We don't understand. And, um, you know, because if you're not from that world, it has really hard to grasp what that world could be, you know. And um, I'm not from the country. I never grew up on a farm. I never woke up at 5 in the morning to go feed the cattle or, or do what, whatever is in a typical day of a young person that grows up and being a rancher or a farmer. So I can't experience. I have no idea what that's like. No idea. But I did grow up in the inner city. I did grow up on the 12th floor of a project. I can tell you what that life is like. But um, don't look down on those lives when you haven't lived it, you haven't experienced it. Learn to appreciate it. Learn more about it so you can help them to adapt and achieve. And that's, I think, what, what we have to do. Well, guy, we know you've got to. Uh, we got to go. You got a plane to catch and all that. Uh, we appreciate your time. We've always appreciated talking to you, whether it was on the practice field, on the phone this summer. Had a great conversation. I really appreciated you coming on, and we appreciate you coming on now. We'll we'll follow wherever you go, and uh, best wishes and, and hope for a lot of success for you down the road. Well, I appreciate that. I will probably uh, we'll see what next year holds. But my intentions right now is to spend some time with a. Uh, with a family that hadn't seen me in 27 years. So uh, maybe get get back and, and really reconnect with what's important. And, uh, you know, you go, you go 27 years of raising other people's kids, you know, and so you need to spend some time with your own and uh, all of mine out. But we're on our way. Uh, I'm going to be in Miami, and I'm going to enjoy uh, – um, enjoy things there. I don't want anybody to worry or feel bad for me or feel sorry. No, no, man, this, this is, uh, if you know me, you know, I have a plan. It all work out in the end. And, uh, we'll see if that includes football. That may include a, another phase of life. I'm not quite sure yet, but, uh, I want, uh, both people from both schools understand that I was never, a hater of either. Uh, I'm a lover of both, and I think they both serve a purpose. And um, I just want to let people know I really appreciate everything that both universities have done for me. And, and um, you know, this last minute with the University of Utah, hopefully it won't be my last in, in Utah. Uh, time will tell, and uh, we'll see. But I really appreciate you all having me on, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Guy. Yep. Guy Holiday, former Utah wide receivers coach. Before that, the BYU receivers coach. And he's got nine schools on the resume over 30 years. And uh, reading between the lines there, PK, it sounds like a, well, I mean, separations are never completely amicable, but a fairly amicable separation. And uh, sounds like the U might be taking care of him in the future a little bit, just trying to read between the lines on the fly here. So. Take a year uh, off from football. He said that to an extent, goes. yeah. Yeah. Take a year off from I football. You got somebody, somebody like him, though, is determined not to be bitter. I think it's up to the person who's being canned and yeah. how they react to it. Yeah. And, and let, let me be the first to say I would not act with the same degree of decorum <laughs> in class as he did and has and is. The road wouldn't be quite as high for either one of us, would it? Be a little, a little lower. Oh, probably. me? <laughs> I would take probably the lowest road possible. <laughs> there you go.
<laughs> All right. Well, we really appreciate Guy coming on because obviously not everyone would in that situation. We know a lot of you wanted to hear from him, and I think there were only like three questions from us. He knew what you wanted to hear, and he just took the ball and ran with it, which is, you know, yards after catch always That's the fine. important thing for yeah. a receiver. So best wishes to Guy Holiday going forward. Absolutely. Big T throw Bailey, Jazz TV analyst on AT&T Sportsnet, is going to join us coming up next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe. You can do everything perfect against this Jazz team, but they really do have the versatility to flip your script on you and hurt you in other ways. That's the part of this I've been really impressed with Quinn and his staff is they have a game plan in place. And where Quinn has been unbelievably good is they get into that locker room and they come out in the third quarter and they have seen what this team's doing. Maybe some wrinkles they didn't prepare for. And the Jazz have been so good coming out of the half. It does take a great effort to beat this team, and you know, that's just to beat them one time. You get into a series, we all know how those series go. It's all momentum, but at the end of the day, it's a deeper team uh, and more talented team obviously will prevail, so that bodes well for the Jazz. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you apart by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Big T Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. You see him on TV with Jazz games, uh, on the broadcast on the home games, and doing the pre-half and post of the Lemma on the road games. He joins us now. Big T, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Big T, man, you are big time going up to the state capitol, getting honored for all your service and good works in the community. You're the man, Big T. Well, it was nice. It was nice to be recognized. I mean, you know, it, we that's not why we do things, but it's it's always nice to know that people are watching and listening and then we're in a great community as well to be able to to uh to emulate a lot of what's going on in this community already. So, thanks. Yeah, I've always been amazed on how you've always had time for everybody. I've seen it. The only time you didn't have time for somebody was when some <laughs> little dude uh, was in a store in Michigan after the Michigan-BYU football game, I think it is. He tapped you on the shoulder, and you looked around and said, What do you want? Remember that one? Uh, you know, I don't really recollect that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember that. <laughs> Wow, you got a great memory, PK. Uh, Is there any that chance? Was me. Yeah, I was going to say, any chance the little guy was PK? Of course it was. Because that's really the only person you drop. <laughs> what do you want on? <laughs> I think I actually. He scared me. I just kind of well. went away. Security. <laughs> Yeah, I think you were there on a recruiting trip for your son, if I remember correctly. I was, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was covering the game. That was kind of funny. <laughs> I actually heard you on uh, NBA radio uh, a couple of weeks back. I mean, the Jazz are just getting so much attention here as far as what we've got going with them. And obviously, you being one of the broadcasters, people are going to come at you as far as that goes. Uh, how do you think the players – handling all this stuff and there's some deal as far as well you know maybe they're not getting respect is that anything that you would be concerned about and should the players be concerned about 
No, I don't think you're ever concerned. I mean, you know this. I mean, I, I think it's it's been that way for this this market or this organization, even in, in you know in winning years in the Malone Stockton era. Um, you know, the respect had to be earned, and I think even in at this position right now, there are a lot of people out there that that aren't really sure if the Jazz are the real deal or not. I mean, they got a small sample size and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, But this is a really, really good team. And it, it's not just about, I mean, we see them a lot, you know, outside of, of, of Jazz Nation. You know, people are, have their other teams that they root for and their favorites. But there is no question that the Jazz have really been tested uh, in, in this first half. And they, they've, they've won different ways. Although they do make the three-point shot a big part of what they do, uh, when the shot's not going well, they, they found other ways to win or they found ways to stay in games uh, and have a chance to, to win. But occasionally, they don't seem to want to defend. And they've got a great record right now. But they are two and four when they give up more than 120 points. So the obvious answer would be quit giving up more than 120 points. Now you can speak to getting worn down, and it's your third game in four days. But uh, PK and I were really pumping them up when they played three and four days and ground out a win in Indiana after a back-to-back down in I think Atlanta and Charlotte. And they didn't have the energy, and they found a way to push through it. And then watching them play the Pelicans. They didn't have the energy, but they didn't, they didn't find that sense of urgency the last three minutes, and so they weren't able to push through it. How much do you write off to, hey, it happens, and how much do you write off to, hey, it happens to a lot of teams in the NBA, but if you want to be a champion, it shouldn't be happening to you, and it can't be happening to you. You've got to find a way to push through it, just the way you're going to have to push through tough times in the playoffs. Well, DJ, you know me. I don't, I don't like using that, that excuse, um, and, and I, I'm sure they don't either. Listen, every team has to go through it. Every team gets tired. It's just humanly impossible not to have fatigue uh, when you're traveling, uh, when you're playing a lot of games. Um, sometimes it's a collective fatigue, but other times it's individual fatigue, like impact players that that uh, may be feeling it. The other thing is, is there are other good teams in this league. You know, their record, New Orleans is a good team. Their record doesn't indicate that, but... You know, they're nice. They're going to put together a really good game. And, and whatever you try to do defensively, um, you know, it's, you're going to have slow starts. You're going to have dips. You have bad third quarters. Uh, I, I think the positive thing, if I had to pull something out from yesterday's game, was the fight. Even, even with the fatigue, there was some fight. You're down 17. You bring it back within one. So you've got an opportunity, and that's a lot of times it's what you ask for is an opportunity to win. But I get what you're saying. If you want to be one of those next-level teams in the finals and, and possibility to, to win a championship, there's certain things that you cannot allow. And um, it's not going to happen every night, but there's certain teams that on paper, you, you know, you've got to really, you've got to have strong starts. You can't have a lull. You can't. You know, you can't allow that team to go on a, you know, a, 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 a significant run without you answering back right away. So, Jazz got caught in that last night. You heard Quinn Snyder talk about things that they didn't do well, they didn't defend. 
uh, that's a collective effort as well. With Mike Conley out, Joe Ingles really flourishes. In fact, they're seven and zero without without Conley, if I remember correctly. And then against the Pelicans, with Conley's obviously back, uh, Joel's not near the same player. Now, obviously, the ability is there. What can be done to get more out of Joe in the role when Conley's playing? Well, I think there's you know you're asking a player to. To be in a different role, uh, when that player goes, when Joe goes back to the bench, his role has changed, and and a lot of times the people you're playing with on the court changes, right? Maybe you don't have as many pick and roll opportunities with Rudy um, on the bench as, as when you started. You know, you're trying to find something in that first quarter that works, and maybe that that's it for net, for you know for a certain game, but. Um, and it's not that Joe can't give more. I think, you know, it, as a guy who came off the bench pretty much most of his career and you're thrown in the lineup, um, you just got to make those adjustments. Joe's been around long enough that, that he can be as aggressive offensively uh, coming off the bench as he does starting. But that, that, I think that's some of that is a lineup thing as well because when you have Joe in there, you have J.C. in there as well. Jordan Clarkson, then your offense is going to be set up a little differently. Um, you know, you may not be the primary ball handler a lot of times or, or the guy with the ball in his hand as, as the shot clock's running down. So you know, I think it's really incumbent upon Joe to, to try to be as forceful, you know, and, and take some risk as well on the offensive end. But, yeah, it's, it's a different place to be. It's a different role that you're asking a guy to do. Um coming out of the shoot based, um, you know, based upon what you need that first quarter to look like. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that's on gel, but some of it is, is based on the different lineups. I think you're smart. And you know why people say that? Thank you. <laughs> I think you're smart too, PK, but I was talking to Thurl in this situation. Oh, okay. oh. But usually I find that people say someone is smart when someone unexpectedly shares an opinion that aligns with their own opinion. And I think, well, you're smart because I'm smart because I figured out the truth. And Well, you figured out the truth, too, so you must be smart. But I really think there's a lot of truth, too, if you're on the floor with Jordan Clarkson and he's doing his thing, Joe's going to be a decoy in the corner. Well, not necessarily a decoy, but Joe's going to be in the corner. But they're never going to leave Joe because he shot the three too well for too many years. And yeah. even if players are going to only semi-absorb the scouting report, they know that because they played against him in previous years and seen him do it. So they're not leaving him. So Joe's going to start getting a lot of zeros across the box score because he's standing in the corner. And you don't get an assist over there. You're not going to get a shot over there. And you're probably not getting a rebound over there. And so Joe's production is going to change dramatically, and Clarkson's efficient enough and effective enough. I don't know how much I'd want to mess with that because clearly what he's doing is working. Um, so does it just come down to the Jazz are so deep that there's always going to be someone who isn't going to be as statistically productive as they could be? Or is there some way, you played on a lot of teams for a lot of coaches, is there some way to massage that over time? See, so you're smart too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thurl. Thank you, PK. PK's getting in on this cake. I don't know how, yeah. but he's getting a piece of this. That chocolate cake looks good. I'm getting in on this. 
Well, I think that's that's kind of the beauty of of who the Jazz are, and it also kind of hurts them on on, on certain nights as well because teams are going when they scout the Jazz. I mean, what do you what do you really focus on taking away? You want to take away Rudy's dive to the basket so he can't get lobs. Um, you want to try to take away the pick and roll. Well, you got to guard something. Um, and some nights it works with teams, but the Jazz have so many options in the flow of what they do. Um, just like, you know, I talked about the game yesterday. You know, Bogey hasn't had a 20-point game in a while. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's time for him to, to kind of step up. And, and sure enough, the opportunity happened early in the game because the other team's thinking, well, you know, Bogey hasn't necessarily shot it great. He's had some good games. So what do you want to take away? You want to take away Rudy's ability to get to the rim. Uh, you know, you want to take away the three-point shot. So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, in general, guys, what the Jazz, the Jazz are a read and react team, right? So there's not one or two guys. Who, I, think, I think that's sometimes why Donovan doesn't get a great start in a lot of games as you look at, the scoring side of it, and it's not because teams are taking it away as much as, you know, it, it's it's his ability to see what's open for him and not try to, you know, to to push the envelope until you know he knows that, you know, he's got to pick it up a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we talk about a different. We either talk about a different guy kind of coming through every night, or multiple guys. You know, you see six, seven guys in double figures. Um, you know that when Mike Conley's out, somebody else is going to take up that role, Royce O'Neal, maybe offensively. So, yeah, there's so many dynamics to to what's going on. It's just amazing that Coach Quinn Snyder's head doesn't explode because and that's a lot to sell to a bunch of guys, but it works. I hate to overemphasize any singular game. Uh, now, with that in mind, I'm going to probably do it and ask you about it as far as the Philly game because it's the last game before they have nine days off, and if they lose, they'd go one and three on the trip, blah, blah, blah. How much importance do you put into this singular game, Philadelphia, which is obviously a contender in the East? Uh, I put a lot of significance on it uh, because, you know, we joke, and EJ knows this, about having your bags packed. Um, you know, it's the all-star, the break's coming up. And, you know, Coach Sloan used to talk about that all the time, about you, know, you can't have your backpacks yet. We have, we've got work to do. And you've t- you're talking about the top two teams in, in each conference. So it's I, I think it's, especially with both teams being relatively healthy with their impact players, Embiid didn't play the last game. And, um so I think it's really, really important for the Jazz to end on on a very, very positive note, a win against a great team that's that's uh, competing as well uh, for championship. And so uh, Jazz have historically, especially this season, been a pretty good bounce-back team. Uh, they've won a lot of games, and this, the, the, the game they lost last night, probably hurt a little, little bit more because, um, you know, they had to put so much work into 
trying to get back into it. But I put a lot of significance on it, BK, because being in that position, you want to prove that you're worthy of, of you know, being in that top spot. So you win this game, I think there's some automatic respect you're going to get uh, from people outside of that that jazz, the jazz world. Maybe maybe Shaq, maybe Shaq will give him more respect. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. No, you and I both know the answer <laughs> to that is no. <laughs> Well, Big T, we got to let you run. I just want to say that uh, I don't know if you're the most patient person I've ever seen because I've seen Ron Boone be incredibly patient when I would have lost my top. But I did see you sign autographs. Uh, Pace and I would just go out to the set and watch games, and you would sign autographs late into the first quarter, once or twice, maybe into the second quarter. And I wasn't here, and neither were PKs, but we've watched enough sports. We can probably kind of fill in the gaps and, and largely guess why you're so popular with people after so many years. But uh, it does take a lot of patience, and that isn't as always as easy as you make it look. So I'm glad somebody more important than PK and I gave you a little tip of the cap there. So good for you. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor coming from you guys. I appreciate it. But uh, hey, you, guys, you guys do a great job, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. and um, it's, it's, it's just always nice to – it's good to be in a place where, you know, your team's winning and getting some more respect, and uh, you're just part of a part of something that's, you know, maybe we haven't seen for a while. So, uh, you know, give me a call tomorrow. I've got some other stuff for you. <laughs> we got All-Star break <laughs> coming up. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Don't call me. My bad. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thurl. See you guys. Big T. Bailey joining us right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, PK, uh, we just had Guy Holiday and Thurl on back-to-back, and I know we both got stuff to react to with Guy. Um, and uh, I got to tell you that listening to Guy, an old uh, Morgan Scally quote, came to mind. And we will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. I understand jazz fans have been a bit grumpy with you today. A little bit. I had suggested that Tom Thibodeau had a stranglehold on Coach of the Year honors, and I got a series of tweets and memes and pictures featuring Quinn Snyder. So I had an earful there. Of course, and I've said this for years on this show, I think Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach. I also thought the jazz were going to be pretty good coming into this season. Not lead the West with a ridiculous record good, but I thought they'd be a top four team, whereas the Knicks, I thought they'd be terrible. And everybody thought they'd be terrible. Like anything else, your take on awards are a matter of perspective. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday at the Warehouse 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Ah, boom! So we had Guy Holiday on earlier in the 8 o'clock hour and that is, is that already up Yak Yak is not a yes. It is already up, so wherever you get your podcast, you can hear it. Stitcher, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Apple which podcast. is the vast majority of people out there, it seems Apple. like. Okay, there it is. So it's there, and I, my guess is that uh, the other shows will replay it later in the day as well, so keep, keep listening for them, and uh, at least parts of it will pop back up, maybe the whole thing. Uh, so listen to him, PK. He definitely took the high road in his separation with the University of Utah. He didn't just mention Kyle by name. Mentioned the athletic director and the school president by name. 
talked about their conversations and how he appreciated how things were going, and also uh, hinted that uh, he could be out of coaching for a year uh, and could be um, spending time with his family, which he definitely sounded like he was looking forward to that. And it makes me think that this separation, and while I get why people are going to call it a firing and all that, even with inside that, you know, people walk away with different feelings. And I'm just spitballing and guessing on the radio, but it wouldn't shock me if he was uh, taken care of financially going forward, whether he's got a year left on the contract and he's good to go there or whether they're hooking him up. I, I don't know how it got handled exactly, but it feels like to me they're trying to smooth it out because we saw his son on Twitter. And that was, uh, that was not good. And there are certainly ways to spin multiple stories together that look really bad for the year that would hurt them in recruiting. And his son was comparing letting Guy go to keeping Morgan Scally. And that did not look good. Um, but it feels like the, uh, from Kyle to Mark Harlan, I don't know how involved a president would get, but it feels like there was an effort here to smooth this out for Guy and for the football program going forward. And Morgan's line always rings in my head. You don't always know what happened at 530 in the building because you're not at the building at 530. So I'm sure there's stuff happening in this that we don't know, but it feels like there was an effort to make this parting as amicable as possible, recognizing these things can't really be amicable because people usually like and want the jobs they have. Oh, I would have been just torching Utah football program you want me to uh, go ahead and, and create these great receivers and we run the ball and we <laughs> take a freshman kid in here and we make him a star and my guys transfer? Why the hell do you think they're transferring? Because they're not getting the ball and you're blaming me? Now, that would have been my approach, but I'm not <laughs> half the man that Coach Holiday is. I think we can all establish that. But the way he goes and handles himself with such class and grace, I, I would look if I was uh, Governor Cox to try to hire him in some type of uh, – a governmental role as far as uh, helping uh, minorities be welcome in this state. I um, mean, he touched on that, and he spoke yeah. of, this is a real thing here, and he spoke of how his son and, and uh, uh, Coach Holiday's biracial, uh, part Polynesian and, and part African-American, um, I think he's told me over the years, and um, talk about how his son uh, being handcuffed and pulled over. I mean, these are real things. If, if, if people don't think this exists, well, Guy Holiday's not going to come on the radio and lie. There's just no way. This is a real issue. And he talked about how the LDS Church and its influence and how you bring in players here and they're supposed to conform, and that's not how they were raised. All those things. I mean, it's so much. And he does it in a manner that you don't feel threatened. It's like, oh, he has an axe to grind. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have an axe to grind on anything. He never has because he's high, high-quality human being. And so makes you think of how do we get better at all these types of things and all the stuff that's going on in the world. And, and we talked to him uh, a couple years ago when all that stuff was going down in Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. He can speak specifically on that. And he has such wisdom. I would love to see that wisdom put to use. Hopefully it's not put to use behind a desk. He needs to be out there and influencing people. He talked about the kids who he coached man I wish I could have had a son who he coached because that's how much I think of him because he can be such a positive influence and a role model in so many different ways it's a shame he's not going to be coaching football at the University of Utah anymore you know he rides that uh, fine line between telling you how it is without lecturing you And and that's a fine line but he rides it well and we've had 
at least three conversations now that I can think of, and there may well have been more. Maybe there's a fourth or fifth, but I can certainly think of three conversations at three different times, and he rode that line every time. He told you how it was, told you his truth, but didn't lecture you, which, as you point out multiple times, makes people more willing to open up and listen and actually absorb what's being said instead of it just kind of, you know, bouncing off the Earth's atmosphere and, and continuing on into outer space and having no impact. He's one of these guys, when he speaks, I absolutely want to listen. I've got nothing to say. One of my problems is I suck as a listener, as I've been told. But when he speaks, I listen because I want to hear every word he has to say because he makes me think. Now, I don't know what that makes him as a football coach. I'm not qualified to analyze whether he's an excellent receivers coach or not. I don't know anything about that as far as that goes. So I have to just let Kyle do his thing. But as far as man and influence and perspective and all that, I love listening to Guy Holiday speak. Well, I think to go to the football part of this equation, you know, and why isn't the passing game more productive? And this is where I think, Morgan, you're not in the building at 530. You need to really be sitting in meetings when the rubbers really meet in the road. You know, because you can look at a passing game and you can put it on the head coach because of his philosophy. Run first. Protect the defense, as you've heard and as people have heard. But you can put it on the coordinator because schemes matter. And you can put it on the position coach because how much is he delving into the detail? The detail the Jazz always talked about when they talked about organic development, right? That that every detail, how you release from the line of scrimmage, how you run a route, how you catch the ball, all of that is he developing that position. And and then you've got everybody on the staff is responsible because are you actually identifying the right talent? Are you passing on the wrong guys? Are you ranking guys incorrectly and not offering the guys that you should? You know, so to know exactly why all these things come into play and what's 50% of the problem and what's 5% of the problem, man, if you're not sitting in the meeting when the rubber meets the road and, and recruits are ranked, then it's it's hard to know from the outside. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break, as Yach reminds me, because we've got Derek Bodner coming up. He is senior writer for The Athletic in Philadelphia. He covers the Philadelphia 76ers. The Jazz are 1-2 and two on this road trip. They are 3-3 three and three now in their last six, and they're playing the Sixers tomorrow night, the last game before the All-Star break. What are they up against? Probably a different team than they just saw in beat, because Embiid didn't play in that game. He played really well uh, in their win and had uh, some nice stats last night. We'll talk with Derek next. Stay with us.